630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers for timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker. Touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, we are ready to go. We're going to have some fun tonight. In about half an hour, we will be joined in studio by St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko. He has been outstanding for the Blues for the last three seasons. He will catch up with us as he's uh, back in his hometown, obviously, for the summer. A young man who goes by the name of Bag Milk from Oilers Nation. Very popular uh, website uh, that uh, started, uh, what, back when uh, Ryan Smith was on the verge of being traded. OilersNation.com. And I'm going to ask him. At what point do you do you either A, start using your real name in your writing, or B, legally change your name to Bag Milk? So when people say, why don't you use your real name, you can say, well, I am. We'll also meet Andre Tournier, the new head coach for Team Canada for the Halinka Gretzky Cup coming up in Edmonton one month from now. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 6.30. Ched, Eskimos, Saturday at Toronto, 2 o'clock pregame show here on 6.30. Ched, the game will kick off at 3.30. Morley and Dave travel to Toronto today. Hey, Team Brick Alberta keeps looking good at the Brick Invitational 4-1 and one now with one game to go in the round robin, a 3-1 victory early this morning over the Chicago Junior Blackhawks. So yeah, Team Brick doing uh, very well. Just dropped the one game so far. They will close out the round robin tomorrow at West Edmonton Mall, 9-10 in the morning. They'll play Team Minnesota. So we'll keep an eye on that here as we move along. Uh, NHL note today, Shea Weber from the Montreal Canadiens. Knee surgery. He's going to be out until December. Another tough break for the Montreal Canadiens. Matt Nichols is back in Winnipeg. The quarterback will start for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers against BC on Saturday. Chris Strevler. In his place went 1-2, 570 yards passing, six touchdowns, two interceptions in three games. Remember, Chris Strebler almost beat the Edmonton Eskimos in the lightning-delayed season opener, but the Eskimos rallied to win it late. Oh, tonight in the Canadian Football League, this will be an interesting one. About an hour away from kickoff, Hamilton is in Saskatchewan. The Tiger Cats have looked very, very good. Season opening loss to Calgary, then they beat Edmonton, then they beat Winnipeg. Both wins, they were pretty much in control front to back. The Rough Riders, by the way, this was my preseason Grey Cup matchup. I picked Saskatchewan over Hamilton, and it still could happen. It's not off the books just because Saskatchewan's started poorly. But, you know, our friends at 620 CKRM in Regina and Michael Ball, the host of the postgame show, I'm sure he's getting ready just in case the Riders lose again and he gets another call from huge Rider fan Sheldon. Not only are we getting burned defensively by Deron Carter, who claims to be the best player in the league, 
last week. But we're getting hurt offensively because that's where he's most effective. You're not just hurting our defense, you're hurting our offense. And I don't know what was more disgusting by TSN, having Glenn Suter talk about leaving Brandon Bridge in or watching a 15-second close-up of Mike Sherman's gut trying to take off his freaking mic at the end of the game. That was embarrassing, Ballsy. I'm disgusted right now. Sheldon shall live forever in Saskatchewan Rough Rider infamy. After we played that clip last night, Kellen Kennedy, mm-hmm. got a uh, couple text messages from listeners who, who had already uh, heard it live or who had heard it on social media in the days right. since it happened. Okay. I, I, also got a, I also got a text message from a, a friend of mine who is a huge Edmonton Eskimos fan and a huge uh, despiser, I guess would be the only word, of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, This friend of mine said, I was uh, driving to a a baseball game yesterday. I heard that Riders post-game call you aired. I could not stop laughing. On behalf of Eskimos fans everywhere, thank you. Then later on, I got another text from my buddy who said, I am listening to the entire call right now. I might make this my new ringtone. Well, that would certainly stand out because the original call is four minutes long. Yes, we uh, we edited it, and it is another station's uh, property. So, it just like somebody just texted in, can you send me this link to that Rough Riders call? Google six twenty CKRM. That's the station it was on. I su- I assume they have an audio archive. D- David Morley got it for me. Uh, that's how I got it. But uh, that that one is. Uh, is a classic. Someone else texting in. So there is a Ballsy and a Halsey. Yes, we have Brian Hall in Edmonton, and they have Michael Ball on 620 CKRM in Regina. Hey, that's that's passion, baby. That's passion. And really, the Mike Sherman headset shirt fiasco. Did that? Did they need to show everything? Yeah. I mean, there there's a comedic effect. I guess we're talking about it. If I was the Montreal Alouettes, you know, say in their media relations department, public relations department, you're probably placing a phone call to TSN the next day and saying, seriously, you're going to show our head coach with his shirt nearly coming off because his headset got tied up in the course of an intense football game? That's probably how you're spinning that back at TSN. And you know that that highlight's going to be replayed otherwise on, like, their top tens and that stuff for years to come, like, top ten sideline coaching bloopers and what have you, right? Got a text here from John who says, read nothing. <laughs> I, I can't stop laughing when I read something. This is, what I, this is what I love about Inside Sports listeners. Most of them have great senses of humor. John says, read, nothing in the world of sports is more beautiful than the anguish of Rough Riders fans. It rejuvenates my soul. <laughs> that, is, that is from John. Well, John, we're glad you get that sense of rejuvenation. And let's face it. In four hours from now, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are probably going to be one and three. Very prob- You have to favor Hamilton in that game. Given how they've started the season, given the trouble the Riders have at quarterback, they're going to go with Brandon Bridge. Given that uh, you know Deron Carter is playing a position that he's not that great at, like he either makes a big play or he, he gives up like five big plays in a row. But again, 
Chris Jones doesn't care. Coach, you know a lot of fans are pushing the panic button after the start to this season and the expectations that were there. Mm. Do you have a message to the fans who are sort of getting a little bit over carried away? Let me just let me just cut you off right there. I'll be honest with you. I worry about this football team, and I can't worry about the fans. I mean, that, you know, if we if we went undefeated, and there'd be somebody complaining. So I mean, uh, I remember when we won the state championship in high school. I was sitting in a cafe the next day, and people were complaining we didn't throw the ball more. So, so there you go, Chris Jones. He's uh, he's he's sticking with the plan. And look, I'm I am poking fun here, obviously. Chris Jones is an excellent coach. He was an excellent coach in Edmonton. I think he's done a lot of good things with the Rough Riders. I was still a little mystified that quarterback was the last position he went out and tried to solidify, and then they get the bad luck of Kalaros getting hurt earlier in the season. But, hey, Sheldon's call, I think a lot of people who are just observers of the game are wondering, why are you putting one of your best offensive players in the defensive back backfield? And an Eskimos fan texted in last night with a great comment and said, hey, Reed, maybe we need Darrell Walker selling 50-50. Take him out of the offense, put him in the 50-50, because he might be good at it. Uh, the same texter who was asking if there's a ballsy and a halsey has written back saying we need the ballsy-halsey show. Well, you never know. You never know. I don't know if Halsey's going to Regina. Not to work. But it could happen. Maybe we can get them both on the air at the same time on well, Inside Sports. We are hosting Great Cup this year, so. Uh, this texture says, Hi, Reed. Should we expect Carlson to be traded and signed during your show tonight? Sounds like a sure thing he's going to Tampa. Well, that is the hot and heavy rumor. That, I mean, what? Like Steve Eiserman. The, the stuff he pulls off. But, yes, it sounds like Air, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning are the front runner for Eric Carlson. I know there have been some rumors that it could be a deal involving the New York Rangers. Maybe Callahan winds up going back to New York, so there's some kind of three-way action there. But that, that would obviously would be a huge story. One of, I'm not just going to say one of the best defensemen in the NHL, one of the best players in the NHL, likely to be traded, very likely leaving Ottawa. We'll keep an eye on that. All right, and of course, we'll uh, update you on the Saskatchewan-Hamilton game once it gets started after 7. Colton Pareko's coming up in a few minutes. We'll let you know what happened last night at the Savile Centre when we get back. Pretty good night for Canada against Turkey. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30, Chad. Eskimos depart for Toronto tomorrow. They play the Argos on Saturday afternoon, first half of a home and home in Toronto Saturday, back on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium on Friday night. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. So the Edmonton Grads International Classic will resume tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip-off at the Savile Centre. Then the third and final game, 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. The Canadian women ranked number five in the world. Turkey coming in at number seven. And what a performance for Canada last night. You may remember I was giving scores throughout the first half on the uh, second hour of Inside Sports. Canada jumped out to a 10-0 lead. 
and never looked back, never looked back, going on to win 78-45. Edmontonian Catherine Plouffe, she had a pretty good game talking about the fast start against Turkey. Uh, I think one thing that contributed a lot was our defensive pressure and um, just coming out with excitement to play a game. Um, you know, it was chaotic at times, but I think our energy was uh, was great for us to support each other and encourage each other um, playing a game for the first time this summer. When was the last time you personally played a game? Because Michelle mentioned that too, what a relief it was to actually have a game against another opponent. Yeah, well, our last game was actually against each other right. in the finals, so uh, that would have been a couple months ago. A couple months ago, which was a great memory for me, not for her. So. <laughs> we won. <laughs> yes, I knew that. What, what, what was it like playing against her and her team in the championship series? Yeah, I, it was exciting for um, for me to play against uh, against her, and actually throughout the playoffs, we were kind. Of, I, my team was cheering for her team because they were such a underrated team going into the playoffs. So it was cool just to be able to be in that environment uh, with each other and um, get to experience the finals in a good league like the French League. Did your family or your parents or anybody come out for the series? And if so, how did they handle the cheering? <laughs> no, they didn't, but they're always uh, always watching and supporting. So they're definitely 50-50. <laughs> Probably more for Michelle's teams because they were the underdog, but still, they were supporting us from afar. Well, you've been doing pretty well there, obviously. The championship this year, was it two years ago you were the league MVP? Uh, yeah, not this past season, but the season before. And Michelle was up for season MVP this year, but... Well, there's two Canadians, so Niall on our team got it for the league MVP. So it's great to see more Canadians going into the league and being awesome. So I think it's great. What, tell us what the French League is like and, and what you've enjoyed about playing there. Yeah, I mean, for me, personally, I think it's one of the best leagues in uh, Europe across the board because um, it's not just a few teams at the top and the rest are, you know, lower level. It's all the teams are competitive. Um, and they keep a lot of their French players in the league just because it's a good opportunity for them. So it's strong. It's a strong level. So going into the World Championships, we know pretty well most of the team. Um, team France, about half of them were on my team this year. So it was good. So they'll so have the inside information. Yes, on, on, we'll on, and obviously for for this, for this Epton Grads Classic, uh, and, I, and I know there's more work throughout the summer in the Worlds, but what, there's three players that would probably be here, but they're in the WNBA, so it's got to be mm -hmm. encouraging, you know, leading up to the, to the Worlds that you're still getting some really good players that are going to join. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a good time for um, uh, players who are not going to be in this uh, final phase per se, but in the following years, play with us during um, the first couple months, so that's awesome, and yeah, for sure, we're excited to get them back from the league um, come September or whenever they get released, so yeah, it, the team will be changing throughout the summer <laughs> for some moving parts, but in the end, I think we'll, we're going to be looking good. All right, well, great to have Catherine Plouffe on the show. We had uh, Michelle on a couple of days ago. Great story, the twin sisters playing for Team Canada, grads of Harry Ainley. And Canada really rolled last night. And I, we know the rankings. Canada's five, Turkey's seven. So I, I, I was expecting a close game. 78-45, Canada won. They, they jumped out of the gate, never looked back. So when I was at the, the Canada practice today, uh, I, I asked somebody, like, is this... 
Is this Turkey's team? Did they not? Did they not travel with anybody? What's the deal? And and the person said, well, they got a couple players who were under the weather, who either didn't play or, or sat on the bench, you know, didn't dress or or held out most of the game. They might be rebuilding a little bit. But then I was reminded, hey, Canada has three players not on the roster, including Kia Nurse, who's one of the best, if not the best, Canadian women's basketball players. So. If, if Turkey's roster was depleted, so was Canada's. Canada, Kia Nurse and two other Canadians are currently playing in the WNBA and didn't join Canada for this part of the cycle. So I, I think you can make pretty uh, even comparisons in terms of maybe Canada's missing some players, Turkey's missing some players. So this is a big result for Canada, uh, an important tune-up here as they get ready for the Worlds in the fall. And there are two other games. And and we see often in sports there can be big turnarounds. I think Turkey's going to come out uh, a little bit irritated tomorrow night. But I asked head coach Lisa Tomitis about the players playing in the WNBA. Yeah, I mean, it's really fun to have three players in the WNBA. We're missing another, you know, longtime veteran in Miranda AM who's taking some time off in this phase, but will, will rejoin us in the next phase. And then we have a few injuries to some people who would be, you know, in the lineup. So our starting point guard, Maya Marie and Shea Cauley, who was on the team last year. So we're, we're missing some people at some key spots, but it's fantastic to be able to play some younger players right now and give them some experience and see how they do in this environment. And, uh, you know, I thought they, they played very well last night. All right, so that's head coach Lisa Tomitis. So uh, Canada looking good over Turkey. Again, they play tomorrow, Friday at the Savile Centre, game two of the Edmonton Grads International Classic, and then game three against Turkey coming up on Saturday afternoon. That's a fun one to watch. And this the three-on-three event is going to be going on as well. So that'll start Friday during the day, lead into the game, and then it's really interesting what they're doing on Saturday. They're having the playoffs before the women's game and then the final for the Canada Quest three-on-three tournament will be at halftime of the Canada-Turkey game. So that'll be really fun. We got uh, Steve Sir playing in that. We got Jermaine Buckner playing in that. Two Canadian men who played a Ross Shep, part of excellent teams there, went and played in the NCAA, and uh, they've both been playing pro. And we had Jermaine on the show yesterday, and he's been in, he's played in Europe for 12 years now, most recently in Germany. So I, I love those stories where it's guys and girls who find different paths to enjoying their sport, playing their sport. And, and let's face it, it's nice to make a living when you can. And uh, you can make a pretty good living going over and playing pro sports in Europe. Obviously, things are different. Uh, for In some of the teams, there's more of a club format. I, I know from talking to several NHLers who went and played in Europe during the 04-05 lockout, uh, they might have come back and said, well, I was played on this club in whatever, Denmark, Norway, and there was also a, uh, a, the soccer team and a handball team and a basketball team, and we were part of that whole unit. And depending on where you were, they got to experience different regional interests. Soccer is big. Um, I, I know Scott Hartnell from Lloyd Minster. I was working out there at the time. He said the handball team, I think he was in Norway, he said the handball team was the, the number one team in, in his city. So he goes, you know, we, we were the hockey players. You know, the people thought we were pretty cool. It was kind of neat. But the, the handball team 
really uh, really filled the stand. So anyway, it's a bit of a different sports system over there, but it's all pretty cool stuff. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick timeout. I'm going to remind you that some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. You can book the Rumpus Room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style picnic at NorthChickenYEG.com. You can visit them in person, 124th Street, 107th Ave. The Holinka Gretzky Cup is coming up in August. Rogers Place and Red Deer, of course, Canada will be playing all their games here at Edmonton. Andre Tourigny named the uh, new head coach for Team Canada today. The previous coach took a job in the AHL. He's going to join us later on. And standing by right now, former Fort McMurray Oil Baron. Oh, I bet you Gord Thibodeau's listening tonight. Now St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko coming up on Inside Sports. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 633, a uh, news break filled with Alberta Junior Hockey League memories. Here in the 630 Chad studio, my name is Reed Wilkins, and as I said before the news, former Fort McMurray oil baron Colton Pareko is in studio. Hi, Colton. Hey, how's it going? Doing great. Thanks a lot for coming in tonight. Great to see you. I know I, I started bugging you, well, just before Worlds, what you were up to, and if you'd come do a segment, and you were like, yeah, I, I got to go play hockey, and then I got to do other <laughs> stuff. So you're here, but uh, I mean, I gotta, we got we to gotta start there. I mean... And it does, in a way, start there for you, Fort Mac. That was pretty important to you on the way to the NHL. Yeah, 100%. That's kind of where, where it all unfolded, I guess. Um, you could say, to an extent, it's it's kind of where I made my first big jump in hockey, uh, coming out of midget AA, and um, it's one of those things where you not really sure what to expect going into camp, kind of just one of those invite things, and uh, there's a bunch of kids, and as camp keeps going along, you, you continue to get better and further into camp, and uh, weasel your way on into a seventh D-man spot and uh, stay there for the season. It's it's actually uh, definitely the starting point of my career, I would say. So you didn't play midget triple? Nope. So your, your life as a 17, 18-year-old was not... Um necessarily uh being ranked or scouted a lot or no anything like that. i don't think i mean you were you were drafted but yeah a different experience second for you, year draft you were 19 yes. yeah yeah so uh but yeah so why do you think you took off so much did you did you did you grow was it you know thibodeau's coaching and it fought back or did you figure something out mentally yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give some credit to uh gord for sure obviously he's a phenomenal coach anyone that's been been associated with him or played with him knows that he's he's pretty pretty uh important to your career and he's he's a coach that just pretty much wants you to get better and that's all he's kind of looking for is to promote his players and get his players uh to the next level and that's uh one of the biggest things that you you first recognize about gordon um he's he's a player's guy that wants wants you to do better and get better but uh just i i did grow a lot i was five eight probably going into my first year midget wow uh that summer i grew probably like five or six inches so i was kind of first couple years of midget i was just trying to learn my body and kind of figure it out i guess you could say right um and then i guess as soon as i kind of figured that out and did a little bit of skating work and kind of got some skating lessons in and things like that i continued to improve and 
just kind of went off from there. Like when you were 15, 16, 17, were you thinking realistically about the NHL? Were you thinking I'll use hockey to help get an education? Where was your mind there? Oh, uh, I don't know. That was, maybe it wasn't even question. that far ahead. Um, <laughs> it's It was a tough one, obviously, because as a kid, you kind of, you have friends that are, are excelling at hockey and kind of ahead of the curve and, and you just kind of, I don't know, not necessarily doesn't kind of bring you down, but just kind of makes you realize that maybe you, you're not ready to make the next step to the next level or whatever. And, uh, but it's obviously a passion and something that I want to do. I love the game obviously. And, um, it's one of those things where you want to continue to push and get better at and focus on. Um, I was honestly thrilled just to make for McMurray the first year as a seventh D-man. I wasn't playing all the games and I, I was so pumped. And then uh, as soon as I started talking to schools and stuff, I thought it was like so cool. And then I just kind of, I didn't really focus on uh, NHL, I guess, per se. I just kind of focused on like what was kind of ahead of me next. And um, when I started talking to those schools, I thought it was, I don't know, something that I didn't even think about the previous year. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of start hearing from a few and then uh, committing to school and go going there and obviously getting an education is pretty cool so uh, it just kind of kept going and then obviously getting drafted to the NHL was definitely not not even a mind thought my first year of junior and um, I talked to a few teams throughout that year but uh, it yeah it happened pretty quick it was it was pretty cool and uh, a lot of fun along the way you, you wound up going to uh, Alaska Fairbanks was it three years there yep three years did you did you finish a, a degree or did you yeah, go back yeah. and finish you did? I finished so I took the three years and then our our coach kind of pushed us to do some summer courses when we were there oh good okay um so every summer i was taking one or two courses and then so as my fourth year kind of rolled around i was already kind of ahead of the curve and i want to say i had seven courses left so i did three in the first semester two in the second semester and then another two in the summer okay uh of my what- first year in the league uh, with St. Louis, and then that's when I graduated. Oh, so you still finished? You you went and finished in between two NHL seasons. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. What did you get your degree in? Business administration. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. You committed to that because some yeah. guys are just kind of like, ah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of tough. I was so close, and I was like, I mean, I've put all this effort in. I can't just really let it go. And I was one of those minds is like, if I maybe let this go now, I'm going to kind of be hesitant to get back to it. Might or be harder so, to go back. Exactly. So or something I was like in the mood anyhow, kind of in the school school mode. Just thought I'd continue on and get it done. What did you did you enjoy? Well, maybe enjoy is the wrong word. <laughs> How did you handle the balancing of the hockey and the schoolwork? Because guys have lost opportunities, like good players, because yeah. they didn't do the schoolwork, right? So Yeah, 100%. In school or in the first uh, year in St. Louis? No, yeah, when you were actually in school first. Uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely difficult um we were for our own school we had to take three in-course classes at least and then two online so but our school's also a little bit of a twist because we would leave on tuesday for a road trip and we're playing friday saturday on the road so we're gone from tuesday and we don't get back travel coming out of alaska we're busing no no we flew to seattle and then we would fly from seattle to a Detroit or a Chicago, but from there you're. Oh, because you're playing teams not just on the West Coast. Yeah, you're going exactly. all over. Yeah, we didn't really even have many West Coast games. Jeez. Like Minnesota was the most West Coast game for <laughs> for us in our division my first years, and then our, we switched, and it was uh, Anchorage, which was an hour flight, obviously. So that was a little better. But it, yeah, it was. But that's Once only two year. games. Yeah. yeah. So, but no, it worked out. So well. you got used to doing a lot of uh, creative time management then. Yeah, yeah, but usually they're red eye. So if you if you're a good sleeper on the plane, you you could. Uh, handle it so that's uh was kind of a bonus i could sleep 
Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, we're talking a little bit about his uh, teen years with the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, went to the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Obviously, he's uh, from St. Albert. It's hard to imagine you uh, 5'8". Hockey DB has you 6'6", 230. Is that close <laughs> enough for now? Yeah, I'm right on the dot, 230 that, today. Do you weigh yourself every day? Uh, not every day, but... Uh, <laughs> you got you to yeah. keep it in a certain... Yeah, I just kind of... It's just one of those things. You see the scale, you step on and... Have ironically today I was on there. What do you remember about your first NHL game? Uh, a lot. October eighth um, in St. Louis against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I mean, it was pretty special. We had my whole family was there, and um, I don't I don't know. It was like a, a blur almost because it was so cool to me. And I still remember at the very beginning we kind of did like player introductions and skating out of the Zamboni doors. And uh, I don't know why that really sticks with me, but. Just kind of the first time stepping onto the NHL ice as an NHL player, it's it's pretty special, and it was cool. So, do you share a first game with McDavid then? Yep, that was the same one. <laughs> so that's pretty. That's also pretty cool. Why wasn't there more hype about your <laughs> NHL debut? Yeah, seriously, what's going <laughs> you're, you're, on? You're like, oh, well, all these reporters, I guess, are here to see me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, but that was actually that's also a pretty cool uh, thing to have. I got to ask you about uh, uh, now a former teammate who's coming back to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, give us your scouting report of Kyle Brodziak. Uh I mean, I can't say enough good things about this guy. I, uh, I mean, he's one of the guys that he's a guy that'll take you under his wing no matter what. And he uh, just off the ice, he's he's one of the best I've ever met. Um, he's he's a special special guy, obviously in the locker room. And um, it was it was cool to share my first three years with him in the NHL. And um, when I was growing up, he was an Edmonton Oiler, and I got to kind of watch him while I was growing up. And then getting to play with him was is a, it's a cool experience. So, um, but not enough good things can be said. And um, the Oilers are very lucky to have have a guy like him. And obviously, his on ice speaks for itself. He's works hard. He, he can do it all. He wins face-offs, battles, and um, scores. So he's uh, he's a really good player. Get, get, you mentioned his you know influence off the ice, the dressing room stuff, and that's always an interesting one for me, having never played anywhere, obviously near the NHL <laughs> or done been good at any sport yeah. at all. Uh, and, and you know, look, I, I do the post-game show with Rob Brown, who played in the NHL. He was Lemieux's teammate, uh, has had a couple great seasons there, and the Oilers like had one really good year, and then this year they weren't as good. And we're always like, well. Well, what's wrong in the room? And I'm like, well, I don't know if they all of a sudden started hating each other. It's just, yeah. it's the same, it's the same group of guys. But what's what's your perspective of that team cohesion? A guy who's good in the room, and do you and do you always have to like all your teammates to have a good team? Uh, I mean, th- that's a a pretty interesting topic. It could pretty probably go pretty pretty in depth and a long long time. But I think it is extremely important to to have a group of guys that kind of bond together and. Um, like I said, Brojack was a guy that everyone like would kind of be attracted to, and mm-hmm. um, kind of a guy that everyone enjoyed being around. And he kind of he was always positive, and uh, you you want guys like that, and guys that kind of are glue in the room and bring bring the room together. So right. So so uh, it's more about the guy's attitude as opposed to whether you'd hang out with him. Yeah, for and sure. Play exactly. video games or go for dinner. It's yeah. more like what is exactly because a lot of guys have different lifestyles outside of the ring. Kids. Some have kids. Some have wives. Some have girlfriends. Some are on single and whatnot. So um, when you kind of come to the rink, it's obviously uh, a little different. Right. You want the guy who says, you know, Colton, if you fumble the puck, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this every time. And yeah. You, you know exactly. Kind of got that. your back. Right, uh, you had Hitch for a couple of years. I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he was awesome. Yeah, Ken Hitchcock. If for some reason people doesn't know, <laughs> he coached uh, he coached the Blues, uh, and he, then he then he went to Dallas, 
And, uh, well, actually, Rob had a great line when he stepped away in Dallas. Well, he said, well, Hitch is retired until his next job offer. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, I mean, he's just... my, I, I have very few experiences with Ken Hitchcock. I, I, I'd, I'd love to talk to him more, but he strikes me as the guy where, like, he's just a hockey savant. Like, it's on his mind all the time. He just loves yeah. talking about the game. Yeah, I could attest to that. That's kind of who he is, and uh, it, it was kind of, uh, I don't know. It was pretty cool for me to play with, play for him, I guess, in my first first year and three quarters or first year and a half and um just learn so many little things about the game and little things about uh becoming a pro and uh just because he's been around it so long and he's he understands so many different aspects about it and he's kind of seen how many guys go through through the league and kind of develop and things like that so um i don't know if it was could have been any better for kind of bringing me into the league because he, he did an awesome job I'm going to tell you what, guys. Uh, we got an NHL defenseman in studio. Great local story, Colton Pareko. If you have any uh, questions for Colton, you can text 630-630. To those of you asking me to ask Colton to sign with the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> I want to clarify, he is not a free agent. You have, what, th- three years left? Four years Four left. years left yeah. on your contract with St. Louis Blues. Uh, there were trade rumors a few weeks ago. He didn't start those. So we're not going to worry too much about those. But if you have uh, any questions for Colton, you can text 630-630. I got a few more. We're coming right back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, my name is Reed Wilkins. St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko is in studio. He's now played 242 NHL games, well, 31 more in the playoffs. And they say a playoff game is worth 10 regular season games. So you've played like 310 playoff. No, joking. (laughs) Add him up. Uh, What do you have? You had 33 points as a rookie and then 35 each of the last two years. Are you on the power play all the time? Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. I would be on the power play. You're a regular on the power play. Yeah, now? I mean, unit one or two, I guess, is kind of. Just depends, I guess, how how everything's going. But for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you always have a big shot, or was that something you had to work on, or came with? When I you would grew say a that kind of came along yeah. as well. Just, I mean, I kind of have an advantage of being tall and having a little bit more of a. <laughs> A flex and uh, ability to kind of use my big stick, but now having uh, said that, it's one thing to shoot it hard. Yeah, it's another thing to shoot where at you least want it. get it in the vicinity <laughs> yeah. of the net. So, how do you balance the precision with the power? Uh, I mean, just trying to get it obviously through the first wave is a big thing for me, and then uh, just trying to make sure that you you find the open lane, and uh, that's the biggest thing. If I can get down to my forwards' hands or put it put it near the forwards, and uh, it's a successful job. Uh, lateral movement now as a defenseman. How much do you work on that even still? A lot. Um, it's. I mean, if you've watched the game, even f- over my first three years of the league, um, you realize how how much more mobile and kind of active defensemen are. And um, I think you, we kind of first... The team that I kind of most recognize the most with was Chicago when I first joined, and um, those guys were always always moving um, across the blue and in, in the zone and things like that. So uh, 
but it's it's more noticeable for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I've really noticed that. I mean, I'm older than you, I, I, but you know, hockey I watched in the '80s, there weren't a lot of guys who would move laterally along the blue line yeah. and then still get their shot off. Like yeah. now, you almost have to do that. Yeah, because then your shot's never getting through. No, guys are too quick. They just get in the lane yeah. too quick, and you just kind of got almost got to create some a lane for yourself or guys are there and sometimes teams are have their d-man blocking too in front like they've got two or three guys for, trying to front well that's the puck, thing it's so. not just one guy who yeah. blocks a shot and then usually there's one of your own guys screening the goal yeah exactly so, so you, you might have two or three <laughs> defenders plus a teammate and then the goalie <laughs> and, then, and then the goalie himself <laughs> yeah. yeah and even if your guy's trying to tip it sometimes he might wind up yeah. stopping it by yeah. accident exactly so. so just trying to get it to the general vicinity of the of the net and the forwards and uh, i think it's a good job all right uh paul says uh can you ask colton what his best tip is for time management doing school with training would be taxing what helped him get through it um i mean i think just making sure that you you have a schedule for yourself and um i kind of knew my due dates for things that were were due on school and it was easy for my online courses because they were all everything was due on sunday so if i had a day off or something like that i'd make sure i got all my all my uh online coursework out of the way through for the day usually you have a day or two off throughout throughout the week where you could kind of just I don't know. Sit down. You for sound. Three you or sound four like hours. you were very disciplined about it. Like you didn't fall into the traps of a college life. <laughs> I try. I hope you had a little bit of fun. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. And then, uh, I mean, we were as student athletes at our school. We were um, encouraged, and almost it was part of part of our um, image as a hockey player on campus that we we had to show up to class and we had to be participate participants in in all the things and so it was the um, whole culture thing then. exactly if you for play, sure. play so, hockey you, you then represent. if you're in class you're, you kind of start to pick up on things and uh it i think just that that alone makes it makes it easier uh kevin says uh, i am curious about your time in fort mcmurray he's got a couple of questions here were there a lot of scouts from different nhl teams that came up to fort mcmurray to see you play first of all that is a good question. I am not sure. Not sure. <laughs> uh, did you ever meet anyone from the Oilers organization while you played there? Or I guess I'll follow up with that interview going into your draft year. No interview, no. Not with the Oilers? No. no. Okay. Boy, again to everybody, I can't collude with Colton to get him to be an Oiler when his contract is up. We're getting a lot. That's the most popular text <laughs> coming in right now. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> Jared says, uh, Colton... Uh, Reed, can you ask Colton how he uses his reach to control gaps in all zones? And when you were smaller, before you had your growth spurt, did you have to do anything different to control gaps? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously my reach is, is a big thing. It's It gives me the ability to to almost make myself bigger and um, gives me a slight advantage of just little things like if if the uh, other teams rimming around the boards or something like that, I have an opportunity to kind of get there first or keep the puck in and things like that. And obviously, if the puck's going to be chipped out of the blue line or something, and I can reach the puck with with one hand, it's it's obviously a huge advantage as a D-man to keep the puck in the zone and keep keep the play alive for for your team. And um, as far as defending goes, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's in the middle of guys' sticks and feet. It's it's tough for guys to kind of get around you hopefully and uh, I just try to use it use it wisely and get stick on puck and try to separate it I don't know if you were, thought we'd get such technical questions today, but this is this is great <laughs> this, this is, is good this yeah is it's awesome fans in northern great Alberta um, we are, I'm going to ask you now can you stay after seven a little bit yeah all good. for a few minutes yeah, because for sure. we're not going to get to uh, to everything yeah here. we can hit a few well, more well I, I sure. want to ask you right now who who's the 
No, we'll keep this under wraps. We everybody, we won't retweet this out or release it to any other <laughs> NHL markets. Who's the, who's the guy that really give you gives you fits defending against? Well, this, uh, I mean, it's th- there's so many different elite players that play differently. Um, obviously, it's easy to say Connor McDavid because he is um, a player that does everything at full speed mm-hmm. um, that a lot of players can't do. He'll he stick handles, skates, and basically shoots and will move around you at full speed right um but then you have a guy like a patrick kane who will grab the puck at his own blue line and basically kind of go almost from one side of the ice to the other and he's not going super fast but he's he knows exactly where everybody is and he's so aware of his surroundings and um even if you watch him in the zone he's he's not moving fast he just knows exactly what's going to happen and he kind of likes to control the game that way so um there's different ways of I mean, there's different players that are extremely difficult to cover. Sure, right. So, um, <laughs> but you mentioned two of the quicker guys, obviously. For sure, yeah. So I would, I mean, those are just two examples that, I mean, everyone's elite, obviously, in the NHL, and uh, those are two of the most most elite, I guess you there, could say. There was a, but first of all, I'm glad you brought up Patrick Kane. And, and look, I'm, it's easy for me, right? I sit up top <laughs> and I'm looking over top of the ice and I, you can see the, the lanes and what a guy should do. Yeah. But Kane's one of those guys where, he buys himself time, and yeah. I don't know what uh, he's. He looks when I watch him; he looks unpredictable. Yeah, hundred like percent. Looks like I don't know what he's going to do. And you're going to love this. Speaking of Rob and I after games a few years ago, I think it was the last year at uh, at Rexall Place, and Calgary whipped the Oilers bad a couple times that year. And Goudreau had a big game, and Rob and I got a caller, and he said, "Why don't the Oilers just hit Goudreau? Why don't they just body check him? Yeah. Just hit him." Yeah. And Rob was like, "Well." If he was that easy to hit, it's not he, the way it works. He, he wouldn't have made the he wouldn't have made the NHL. Yeah. He, he would have got pounded out of the NHL. Yeah. Just good players find the open space and they. All right, we're, you can keep texting Colton. I'm going to get to as many uh, questions as possible. Uh, here's a quick one. Miles in Frog Lake. Perfect. My question is, Colton. Besides hockey, what was your other favorite sport, and were you good at it? <laughs> uh, I used to dirt bike when I grew up um, that was probably my favorite I, I enjoyed that we my brother and my dad and I we would always go out and um, I mean that was our weekends growing up was dirt biking and it was a lot of fun and I, I, I raced a bit and uh, I mean I wouldn't I was I don't know I don't even know what you would consider good uh, <laughs> at dirt biking we would just go out there and rip around the track and have fun I guess I mean uh, I was decent I guess I don't know more I would give myself my, a lot of credit for it but uh, it was fun more with St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko your text to 630-630 when we get back 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad